Welcome Wargamers, join your hosts, Falco and Monty, two Canadian wargaming enthusiasts, as we explore all aspects of tabletop wargaming. We roll dice, talk tactics, share hobby hacks, and explore new tabletop systems, all on the Trident Wargaming Podcast. Trident Wargaming, build it, paint it, play it. Hey everybody, welcome back to Trident Wargaming. I am joined with two guests today. We've got Arthur from Charging from Deep Strike Studios back. What up? Thanks for having me. And then we got a first time guest. We got that sweet, sweet Scotty B. Howdy. So uh, we're going to be jumping all the way to the 41st millennium today, uh, going through some of that 40k action. There's been... Uh, a lot of developments since we last were on talking about 40k. We had um, local events kicking off. We had some uh, what league ideas popping up. A whole bunch of stuff. I guess to kick things off first, we will do a little bit of hobby time. Uh, what have you guys been working on lately? I guess uh, we'll pick on you, Arthur. I know you got a lot of a lot of stuff on the go. Well, for the last few months, because teaching as a profession literally takes everything from you, I have done nothing. Heresy came out. I painted most of the box set, right, uh, to like 70% done, and then I just had to drop it. Um, I had a little bit of free time. I, I played in a tournament recently, and I, I won one. And I didn't realize how down on 40k I was because I wasn't winning, but more on that later. Uh, and that really re-inspired me to, to get into the hobby again. And so I looked at my, you know, my, my works in progress and I asked myself, what sparks joy? And the avatar looked back at me and that the avatar cane is what sparked joy and the heresy stuff did not. But uh, I, I painted up the avatar and like, what a cool model. I think this is the third or fourth time I've tried to paint an avatar from like that original mini, which I'm sure was cool back in the day. That Forge World one that came out in uh, the 2000 ands, whenever. Um, and I don't think my painting skill was up to, to prime when I tried to paint the lava on that one. I got about halfway through and I said, this isn't it. Uh, but this time around, uh, a mixture of like, well, Duncan in his new painting studio, his new little bit YouTube channel, had a really good tutorial for how to do some of the lava effects. And I think my skill was finally ready to, to do what I wanted for what I envisioned for this model. So I painted up the avatar. That was super cool. I got some, some more uh, Eldar stuff on the table. I want to polish off that army so Scott will stop making fun of me for bringing subpar choices. And uh, then I might be looking at another Xenos race in the near future. Might be. Probably. Could be. <laughs> Sound, it, that sounds like heresy. God, <laughs> the God Emperor is turning on the Golden Throne as we speak. He's, he's trading one heresy for another. Yeah, yeah, he is. You know what? It might be for, you know, the greater good. <laughs> might be. We'll leave wow. it at that. Wow. Well, uh, Scott, what have you been what have you been working on lately? Uh I have a I have a bad habit with my painting where, you know, a lot of folks I know they're you know, you get new releases and you're inspired to paint that new stuff, that new hotness that you pick up or or maybe some rules come out and you're like, or, or change and you're like, oh yeah, I really want to get some of those models painted up because they're, they're good now. And I kind of want to get them on the table, see what they're like. 
I'm the opposite of that. I run into this issue where right about when a model is at its least desirable, both on the tabletop and off, is suddenly when I decide that they look cool and I want to paint them. So I've been actually working on some Necrons the last little while, which if you play 40k, you know Necrons as a as a army aren't in a bad spot. But the Necrons that I've been painting have been like my Doomsday Arc and my Canoptic Doomstalkers and some uh, Canoptic Spiders, none of which are terribly viable in a competitive sense, and all of which are incredibly frustrating to paint because Necrons, the whole aesthetic, it just, it's got a lot of surfaces, um, a lot of fiddly bits, uh, all of which, you know, if you're, if you're detail-oriented and you're painting like I am, then, you know, they... They're a nightmare to paint, but they've just, you know, with me and I think with a lot of folks, painting is something you kind of have to be inspired to do. Otherwise you, you do a bad job or you're never going to be happy with it anyway. You're never going to get through it. I paint quite slowly as well. So I kind of just have to do it when the iron's hot, when the lightning is striking and that's what I've been working on. So nice, nice. Nothing wrong with that. I definitely, uh, I'll echo that point. You know, you gotta. You have to be in that right mindset uh, for painting, or else it's just not, not the way. And it will feel like a chore, and you won't want to do it. I've I've been there before. You're That's, probably there this summer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. By the end of that terrain, it was uh, it was a big push, and I was feeling pretty burnt out, and so burnt out that I decided to paint a three K army in three and a half weeks, just to really <laughs> fuck with myself. So. Well, that that was that you know that's minor for you compared to yeah. some of the projects you've done lately. That was taking time off, really. Yeah. Now, now, Bill, I know you're probably gonna tell us about your heresy or or whatever you're painting right now, but I want to interlude for one quick second. Sure. Is there, is there any model for for all of us here? This question goes out to everyone, and you know, maybe, maybe the viewers at home. Uh, is there any single model out there, new release or anything else that like would inspire you to paint? Is is there one out there? A new release, something that you've always liked, uh, like anything. Scotty, you first, then Bill. Let me see what's on my wish list. Okay, so so Arthur knows knows this actually because I've probably talked about about it a few times. Uh, again, going back to my Necrons, one of the very few, like I've got a massive Necron army, and one of the few models that I don't own for it hilariously is the Silent King. Um, so it's something that I'm, you know, it's getting to that point where maybe, maybe in another six months or so he'll be bad. And then, you know, I'll want to paint him, uh, if the rules go that way kind of thing, you know, uh, another one that's kind of, uh, always on the top of my mind. And I think I've even talked to Bill about this a bit before is I've always really wanted to do some thousand sons, but I've never taken the plunge because I just don't feel like I need another army right now. Um, but I've, I'm kind of evolving myself a little bit right now uh, to the idea that maybe I don't always need to buy an army just to get some models. You know, if I want to paint something, I can just buy it and paint it and enjoy it for what it is. It's it's a hobby as well as a game. And I know people tend to fall on one side of the other of that line. But, uh, you know, now that I've been in it as long as I have, I kind of feel like maybe a little of both is okay. It's not a bad Sounds like heresy to me. <laughs> No, 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 no. Forty k thousand sons. Sorry about that. Uh, no heresy. 
What what about the Thousand Suns? Like, is there is there like it's just a general aesthetic, or is there one model? That I, like... I I think it must be the aesthetic. Yeah, no, it's actually like it it does cross you know a lot of the lines. Um, I I I think I'm most attracted to the the regular Rubric Marines. Um, but like the Terminators are spicy, the Sorcerers are spicy. Magnus, you know, I I like the model, but I don't know that he's one that I'd want to buy just to paint. Uh, I don't know if I like him that much, um, but most of the rest of their range, even the Zangors, I kind of, I kind of have an eye on. So, hmm. do you have a little cool Um, for models, hey, that one, that one awesome model. It doesn't um, even have to be a GW model. Like, cool if it is, but if it's not, that's okay. Bill's got to have his eyes on a Bellacor nowadays. The new Bellacore, I I would like to really paint. I think that model would just be awesome. He'd um, look great with some hazard stripes. Ooh, he would, wouldn't he? Um, <laughs> but believe it or not, there's like I'm not a AOS guy. I used to play Warhammer Fantasy way back in the day, and uh, what's that? Yeah, right. Um, the undead characters that have always kind of made it really fun mm-hmm. to play. Uh, there were some new ones in the AOS that dropped, and I got to remember the name of it. I'm trying to look it up as we're talking here, because I can't quite remember. But just the sculpt, like I had the old pewter uh, zombie dragon, and it was well, terrible to try and put together. But the new... I didn't even app, know they had that in metal, because that's a big model. It's yeah, a, it was yeah. metal. It was Actually, gnarly. I had a vampire counts army for a long time. It was gnarly, yeah. Um, what is it again? Uh, there's a. It's guy. one of those oh, Mortarks, um, maybe. So it would be, if I had to pick one, because like I really would like to redo those undead ones, but if I was gonna pick just a model to paint, I'd start with Nagash. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nagash is gorgeous. Supreme Lord of the Undead. When they several times the thought about buying him. Oh, just just really? the model alone. Yeah, it's just it's it's pretty legit, man. Pretty legit. Well, what would he be under these days? He's not Night Haunt. What what is? He's also know. like I feel like Nagash. Like not only is it a beautiful model, but like for me anyway, he holds a special spot because he was kind of he was one of the very first of the the kind of new era of GW showpiece models, right? Yeah. When they when they first started doing the end time stuff and bringing in those gigantic centerpiece models, I think he might have been like the first one. Um, yeah, maybe he came after yeah. Imperial Knights, but like well, I actually yeah. remember one of the very first uh, competitive tournaments I went to um, when I, when I came back to 40k as an adult uh, was an onslaught. And they used year. to do they used to do this last year when they used to do 40k one day and they would do fantasy the next. Uh, yeah, and and sometimes at the same time. And I remember Ward talking about the who who runs Onslaught, if you're not familiar, or used to. I don't know if they're still doing anything. Uh, he was talking about announcing the winners of Fantasy. And he was like, and the number one place goes to... And it was... He said Nagash, because Nagash was just fucking, like, batshit insane rules-wise. Yeah. Um, but it's funny how, how things come full circle like that. Yeah, he's, I'm looking at him right now. He's a gorgeous model. Absolutely gorgeous, yeah. That or... I mean, it's funny because we've had... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Bill. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, that or that Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon that they came out with in plastic would be my next big mm. pick, just because it would be a lot of nostalgic feels, right? Painting that thing. I played uh, mm-hmm. Fantasy through junior high, so it would be a nice kind of 
nice little, little flashback there. Kind of a full circle thing for you, eh? Yeah. I uh, well, I was just going to say with Nick Asher, it's kind of funny actually that we've now had you know years of this where GW has been building these big, big, cool models for a lot of factions. Um, hopefully, I think eventually all of them. Uh, and yet, even after all of the hits and misses they've had over these years, he's still probably one of the best. I think he's just a spectacular model. So it's it's uh, it's crazy because Games Workshop they seem to be doing it right. I know a long time ago they were like, we just want to make models that are cool. So even if you don't play the system, you're just gonna want to buy the model and paint it and whatever. And I was like, bullshit. I was like, no one's gonna buy the model unless they're playing unless they're not playing that game. That was kind of my I've mentality. And like, well, just with this conversation, so you know what? Maybe maybe they were onto something because there's been several models I've seen that I'm like, oh, I'd like to paint that. That'd be kind of cool. I picked yeah, they... up that Sylvaneth uh, Alariel the Everqueen because I love that model. Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you think I... you'd ever, Arthur, do you think you'd ever uh, get some Tau models just to paint them and not play them? Well, and this this is where the greater good starts, right? Uh, I have eyed up the Ghost Keel since that model came out in fucking, what, 20, 2016? Uh, 20, yeah, it must have been 2016. It's, it's been a good uh, number of years. This time. I think the second newest town model, because the commander is probably the newest. Maybe they have other characters brew. But if we're talking 40k in a nutshell, I love the ghost keel. I don't know what it is. That it's model, sexy. that model specifically, model. is getting me into town because I want to paint it up. But like getting you into them to paint. No, we're playing. We're 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 gonna we're going full weeb shit. Uh, we're gonna live relive my junior high Gundam days. There you go. Um, I don't I don't think you can win tournaments with Tao playing like a sister sister's player. <laughs> Passively? No, I think for Tao you just have to go first. <laughs> oh. More than anyone. But if we're talking about models that, that aren't Tao and aren't GW, Scale 75, which is a, a paint company, has this model called The Choice, and I, I've linked it here in the Discord, and maybe we'll throw that in, in the description or, or something else or whatever. But uh it's like this this angel kind of thing. It's kind of what I envisioned Celestine would actually be like. Um, Let's take a look at that. I think that model oh, just yeah. kicks ass. I want to paint that. But not for 50 euros. She got well. that uh, Valkyrie thing going on. Yep, that's that's definitely that's niche fetish for sure, right? <laughs> I have some old uh, D&D models, like some of their nicer ones that I, I could find back in the day that I painted up and used in 40k way back way back when. I'm sure any of us who've been in the hobby long enough probably have at least a few like that that you spotted a model and thought, you know? You know, going way back. Those real parts actually would fit pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Real old school. <laughs> yeah, really, really old. Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll leave this out to the comment section. If you're listening right now, type in the comments. What's uh, one model that you just you, you would love to paint that would inspire you to paint? But I think we're we're going back here to Bill. Bill, your current hobby progress. What are you working on? Currently, it's kind of a mixed bag. I'm obviously still rocking out on Heresy, trying to do all the finishing details now. Getting that army from what would technically be, you know, like your tabletop standard up to above tabletop which is kind of where all the time comes uh i think the term that. now is battle ready battle, battle well, ready 
and parade ready. Oh, parade ready. That sounds pretty legit. And um, if you're me, second place ready. <laughs> oh man. Um, you just gotta find the right place, Arthur. That's right. Fucking second. Find your place, the second place. If that's where you belong, that's that's it. Um, other than that, I'm actually finishing up uh, getting all my pieces together for a bolt action table. There's an event for uh, bolt action December third, so I'm doing a table up for that event so I can take it down there. Um, just because you know, sponge for punishment, and then. Uh, the upcoming doubles <laughs> tournament on the 27th will be popping off. So I'm kind of getting everything ready for that, which will not as much work. It's just, it's mainly missions and just bringing everything down. So, so awesome. it should be, should be good. Should be good. Um, speaking of events though, I guess we'll kick off with some meat and potatoes. Uh, we recently attended Hallow Tide 2022. It was run by uh, Scott. And it was a lot of fun. It was, um, you know what? I'm going to let you explain it just because uh, there were some unique um, things that happened in it. And uh, may as well hear it right from you. Yeah. Uh, I think my goal with Hallowtide was kind of, I kind of sat down and I, I asked myself what I, as a player, would want from a tournament. Um, you know, the tournament scenes kind of come back post COVID. I mean, it's in a, it's in the process of coming back, I guess. Um, but we have seen a good number of events this year and I think there's, there's still churning out at least as far as I can tell. Um, but I find that events, you know, understandably are quite formulaic, uh, at least in 40 K I, I can't speak to AOS or 30 K as much, but in 40 K, you know, you, you have a very, uh, I think accepted system that you use and I I think that system's great. But I do think that it there is an opportunity to flex a little bit here and there that maybe a lot of event organizers don't take. Um and some of those things are really small but they're quality of life issues for players. Uh and some of those things are just a little more fun and with the Halloween season and and the fact that you know there's all the all the hullabaloo around that uh, that holiday i thought that would be a great time to try to throw in some some fun kind of tricks for the players to kind of work around and so that's what hallowtide was it was all about it was still a fairly standard tournament uh, it was an itc tournament um but uh i threw in a couple uh threw in a couple curveballs so for starters i i had reduced the actual uh the points value for the event to 1850 which if you're a long time 40k player, you probably are familiar with, but it hasn't really been common throughout the 8th and the 9th editions. Uh, it was kind of the standard way back in 5th, 6th. Um, and I found back then, first, I mean, back then games were faster anyhow, but it was, it was something I was kind of considering because I know that nowadays a lot of events do struggle a little bit with time. Uh, 40k games take a couple hours. I mean, it's especially when, you know, you get into a really good one, right? Um, and events can struggle to really push players through their, you know, two and a half, three hour time slots um, and then do, you know, three, four games a day. So I thought, well, you know, let's bump that down to 1850 because 1850 is like the value at which 40K kind of, it feels like a 2000 point game, but you've really forced players to really tune that list down just that little bit extra, you know, shave off a few things here and there. 
And surprisingly, you know, uh, 1850 point games actually play like a good 20 plus minutes faster, which a lot of times when I've run into it, and I think you guys probably have too in tournaments, that 20 minutes at the end of the round is is where sometimes players bump up against the, the clock a bit, right? So that was one thing. And then the other thing I, I decided to kind of go with, because I want to, you know, running Hallowtide, hopefully in the future, I kind of want to have at least one curveball every time uh, this year. I decided to go with the old old standby, which is uh, trying out sideboards. So I, I gave players a 300-point sideboard that they could put together that they could swap into their their list or uh, their army at the start of any given game. Um, I, I'm actually... I'd love to hear from you guys about your thoughts on sideboards in in tabletop games, not just 40k, you know, whatever you might play, because it's it's obviously a standard kind of thing in some uh, some card games, but it's it's long been discussed in 40k. There's a lot of proponents for it. There's a lot of people who don't like it, um, but it was something I wanted to try out. And I think for this event, actually, I you know, it was funny how very little people actually really talked about it. There were a couple players who used it a lot. And a couple players who hardly used it at all, and some in between. But there certainly wasn't much buzz around it at the event, as much as you might see when it gets discussed online. Well, that's that's fair to say. Um, I know for the event itself, uh, just due to my, obviously, state of playing 40k, I actually didn't use my sideboard, actually, at all. Um... Also because I didn't really want to lose my mop and I didn't want to kind of lose any of my other units uh, to be able to take that Disco Lord. Um, but the idea behind it was actually pretty fun just because it was nice to know I had an option. If I ran into something where I needed that Disco Lord more than the Master Possession. I have toyed with the idea of a sideboard at events for... Fuck, man. Like, I want to see, like, a decade, but I, I haven't run in events and playing at events for 10 years. But as, as, as long as I've been playing 40k, I've thought about that. Because when you when we talk about Magic the Gathering as a competitive uh, uh, game, you lose game one. Game two, you get to sideboard. And if you lose game one because of a counter pick, you get to bring something in that's going to help you in that matchup. And, uh, like, one, I played a lot of competitive sevens. And it really, competitive 7th I loved, but it really felt bad when you came up against the one thing that your army was bad against. Maybe that was an invisible Death Star, or maybe that was a, a, a deep striking army that you really actually had some Interceptor, or, or whatever. And I always said, if you could sideboard against that, kind of like War Machine does, where you get to build two lists, that you could prevent some of those feels bad moments, and feel like you always had a chance to, to beat everything. So I, I really commend Scotty for, for making a a tournament with a sideboard and I actually I did get to use my sideboard I sideboarded in some some high volume shooting instead of high value shooting and I, I got to bring it in uh, one matchup and it did everything I wanted it to it helped clear up a weakness that I, that I had and, and it worked great I think sideboarding is a wonderful mechanic I wish more tournaments used it um, I, I, I love the idea of it so props to you Scotty for bringing that in well, it was just kind of like I said. It was it was a fun thing that I wanted to try out, uh, and thankfully the the people who attended the event were pretty receptive of it. But it was definitely the riskier one because, you know, messing with the point value a little bit was kind of just whatever. 
but the sideboard was something that I, I knew it had the potential to, you know, be problematic. And I think really, realistically, probably there were people who didn't like it that just didn't sign up. So that's, that's that. But I thought, you know, let's, let's try it out. And I also think that, you know, when you've got ideas like that, you, you kind of want to put proof to concept to actually try it out so that other event organizers might have something to think about or to see how somebody else did it and if it did or didn't work. My main thing with, with it, uh, I know probably the most common argument against it for 40k is that it, it helps armies that are already be good or that are already good be better and armies that are bad probably don't get as much out of it, which I, I think is still fair in ninth, but I think with the way ninth is now where the, the parity between armies is probably as close as it's been in a long time. Unless that, you're at back. <laughs> now is a good time. Uh, and I also think, and this is actually something that clearly GW agrees on, uh, judging by some of their recent job postings, um, and something I talked to you about a little bit, Arthur, was was that I actually think sideboarding is not even just a, a counter for armies. Uh, it's It's something that you can consider when playing missions, which is the other thing about... Um, Hallowtide that was a little different, but I, I think it was actually a really impactful change that I would really love for other tournaments to do. And that is that the missions in Ninth Edition are incredibly important to how the game goes. Um, lots of armies hate certain missions or love certain missions, um, and they have to play sometimes different missions incredibly differently especially versus different opponents and there is i think more and more people in 40k coming around to the realization that the missions are maybe more important than people have given them credit in the past uh for determining you know winners and losers uh and so you know the sideboard opened up that opportunity for somebody to be like oh you know for this mission actually i would want my army to look a little bit more like this but in these other missions you know, I wouldn't want that, but you know, the main issue with tournaments, uh, at least that I've been to, is that the vast majority of them do not publish their missions ahead of time. They they give you a pack the day of, or release them the day of, hypothetically to stop people from tooling for the missions. Uh, and in the past, I think that was fine. Nowadays, like I'm just I'm concerned, especially in you know little RTTs with only say three games, or or even GTs with you know only five, maybe six games. There's nine missions, and some of them, you know, they they force big changes on some armies. And sure, so can't I scouts think, can't move in advance, that kind of stuff. Well, and you know, just just even the layout of the table and the where you know how many objectives are in no man's land, how far are they from the deployment zones, how much does your army have to split out, uh, what is the what is the mission specific uh, objective? All of these things can, for some armies, make a big difference. And so what I did was. For Allotide, I published the missions right in the player's pack right from the get-go. You knew exactly what mission was being played for each game, and also you had that sideboard to let you kind of, if you wanted to, yeah, you could tool for a certain mission. Of course, everybody was on the same same level there, and I, I really do think that, again, it goes back to, well, does that just help some armies more than others? I would argue it probably helps the weakest armies the most, um, because the strongest armies are the ones that, like, tend to change the least for the missions because they already play them really well. Uh, that's probably a strong piece of their win rate, you know? So that was kind of the other thing that I did with Halotide, which was actually kind of more subtle compared to the other stuff, but I, it's probably the number one thing I think that events should should lean into, and it's also the easiest change. Definitely 
Definitely could be interesting keeping things um, fresh and a little bit dynamic too when you're building. Um, especially like, you know, talking about how many different missions there are and how impactful they can be. I, I, I think there is a benefit to having a... I'd, I'd like to try something similar to that even in 30k just for a... Uh, just to kind of switch things up. I know we've been talking about dabbling with progressive scoring in some of the missions for events, um, which just put a whole different spin on it. There's currently a mission, uh, Dominion, that does play like that anyways, um, but it's the only one out of six. So I, I think focusing on stuff like that is important to just keep your armies fresh and not one-dimensional because it's with heresy right now, it's at that point of like just kill your opponent, table them, and you'll win where I really like the idea of ninth and having secondaries and being able to limit your interaction with the opponent's army, especially if it's scary and can just crush you. Um, yeah. That's that's kind of a nice thing to be able to do. So it's it's definitely uh, cool to see. It was neat to see how it worked at the event. So Yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah. From, a, from a player's perspective, Bill, how was playing at a tournament for 40K? It's been a while for you. It has been a long time. Um, it was good. Had I not been, <laughs> had I not stayed up so late the night before painting, and gotten up early and painted even some more, uh, it probably would have been a lot better. I would have been able to stick out all three. I ended up taking a buy around three, uh, so you go yeah. home and have a nap because I was just beat. Um, no, I think you should really, you should relate your your morning saturday morning shenanigans i think a little bit okay yeah, what happened what, what were you why were you up so late up so early what it happened was, it was wild it's... um so i ended up uh going to bed like 1 30 and i was painting my master possession going through my list having to make sure you know do i have everything i need going through and i'm like oh my god i actually took uh three obliterators not just two I have two painted and one is not painted. This is at one thirty in the morning. Uh, and I'm supposed to play the next day at eight thirty nine. And nice. then I also noticed that, Oh, look at this accursed Terminator squad and going through all the options. Right. I'm a, I'm a big WYSIWYG uh, player. It's been like just drilled, you know, to my head for the past 20, whatever years. So it's just, that's yep. what I like to play. That's the standard I play at going through and I'm like, wow, I have nine Terminators and six of them have accursed weapons. And I'm looking at all my Iron Warrior, Heresy, Cataphracty terms, and they've all got power fists and chain fists. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, this isn't going to work. So I ended up having to scour through bits. A couple little, you know, caches of highly sought after stuff. And came up with <laughs> six power swords. And painted six power swords in the morning. Uh, rocked out that one uh, obliterator in the morning and as I was, you know, mad dashing downstairs, ripping up the stairs to pack the rest of my stuff got my work boots on because I knew I was going to be standing for a lot of time and as I'm running up the stairs my master of possession slid off my books and landed on the stairs right before my boot hit that step and, you know, I'm 275 pounds rolling up the stairs uh that master possession is no more uh so <laughs> that was kind of a, a real shit start to the morning I had to randomly just grab like a sorcerer type guy because 
there's no coming back a, from that. It that was, was a, a snake eyes on the chaos boon table, right there. Yeah, it, it was over, right? Um, so yeah, this is at like five thirty in the morning. Now that I've had a four hour sleep, and I started painting, and I I did get everything done to the point where it was you know like tabletop uh, looking decent. Yeah, it was it was actually quite quite good. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty rough start to the morning. Banged out two games, um, running on fumes. But again, it's been months since I've played uh, 40k, so getting into it and suffering a little bit of uh, heresy edition leg. Right? I'm like, can I do this again? Is this allowed? And yeah. they're like, yeah, you can do that. I'm like, oh sweet. Just because yeah, I can't. There's some spots I just couldn't remember. Um, but overall, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, and it was nice to break the rest off. Second day, I had a little bit more, you know, sleep, so I was a little more comfortable with playing. Um, and yeah, it was just good games. Uh, biggest thing for me is uh, strat management, and I guess just you know learning the army, all the ins and outs, because there's definitely some uh, fine tuning I can do on the list I brought. So yeah, I thought I actually like just you know watching your games from afar as I was. I, I really felt, Bill, that your uh, your rules knowledge and your rules usage was great for a guy who has not had a lot of 40k to play. Um, yeah. uh, some of that probably comes from you know the legacy of just playing tons of games, and I know you also learn tons of rule systems, so you probably have a knack for it. But I I thought you know I know lots of guys who you know getting into the hobby or whatever, getting back into the hobby who played lots of games and struggle with their rules way more than you did. I was very impressed. Well, that's always good to hear because yeah, sometimes it feels you just ooh, don't want to be the pylon at the table, right? That's the biggest Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. You know, it's actually, then it, I'll soapbox this just for a quick second here. This is actually another thing that I thought was great about it too, is that you, you were there playing those games and getting getting the, the reps in. Um, I think nowadays, especially there's, and I understand why, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, work put in work put in by players who are trying to get into the game or get better at the game to do online research and, and stuff like that to i think has merit but really if you want to improve at this game there is absolutely no number of reddit threads or podcasts or whatever that you can watch and read and stuff that will really help you as much as you have to get out there and you have to play games whoa 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 whoa, whoa. what about my art of war subscription that also helps for sure. Absolutely. I support that. But also help. play the games. Uh, yeah. Too many guys I see who just, you know, they see stuff online and I, which again, it has merit. But like if you don't play games, you just, there's so much to a game that is intuitive and that you don't realize when you're watching it from a camera that's across a room while somebody's doing a battle report. Or you just don't get the angles on, or you just you, your brain just doesn't work the same way as when you're doing it, uh, and you just you got to get in there play games, and you learn so fast playing games, so much faster, and and you also pick up things which I don't think you necessarily get online. So absolutely, if you're looking to get into it or get better, play games. The single best way to learn how to play good 40k is to lose at 40k. It's true. It's true. And I'd like to tribute losing. At 40k a lot to my best general win at Haloptide. Yeah, it's true. It was a long road. Uh, you know, start of the year, even just started this year, Arthur was winning what, like 
one in ten games, probably. Hey, Arthur, in your last EWL league, you I mean, you hardly won a game at all, didn't you? Shut up, I won everything except for against Admech. It was awful. <laughs> and even then, you did, even then, you got a draw, so... Oh my god, it wasn't a draw. Don't be like that. No, and I, I, you're memeing right now, but uh, to be honest, uh, you really have to know what other people's bullshit is capable of. And yeah. you have to be able to measure that bullshit against your bullshit and be like, can my bullshit be out-bullshit their bullshit? That's really yeah. what it comes down it's to. It's how it yeah. feels. It's how it feels sometimes. You get players telling well, you, especially from like my point of view, I'm like, so what does it do? And he's like, I can do this, 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 and I'm like, I'm not even going to question it. I'm sure that's probably legit. Yeah, I mean, and and like, there is an issue there too, where like, yeah, you, maybe a guy isn't always honest with you or whatever, but that's not even that's that's kind of way down the list of concerns. Hopefully, players aren't running into that problem. What you're running into, I think, more is is just you know, uh, when when you play a game, your your models get into situations, good, bad, whatever. You learn from it. And then you do it again. And even when you're playing different opponents, the more times you go through that situation, the more you're going to be able to quantify how this scenario is going to play out for you. And watching battle reports and stuff oftentimes doesn't help you understand that because unless it's a very specific maneuver or something they're showing you, you don't necessarily play like those guys play. And your opponent might not play that way either. And your terrain layout might be different. And again, camera angles can mess with your perception of what exactly is going on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Arthur is actually a great example because Arthur, I think you probably play the most amount of 40k games of anyone I know. Uh, you get tons of practice and it shows. I really? I don't know about the most. Oh, okay. When I have time, when I'm into it, probably. I know it's been less lately, but you know, when you're into it, it's a couple times a week, right? Yeah, that's true. When I'm into it and I'm on, it's a couple times a week. Uh, so, but you know what was really fucked is is round one. I played against uh, leagues of OTAN. I think this might have been like one of the first weekends you could have played them. Uh, Bill, did early. you manage to play the dwarves? I did not. Uh, Scotty, have you played dwarves yet? No, the, uh, Bryce, who brought the Votan to the tournament, he is actually the first Votan army I've gotten to see in action. So, uh, so I mean. You're, if you're not a recluse and you've looked at the internet, you would have known that Votan came out like absolutely nutty, broken, and they—I they, think they were the earliest fac out of any army ever from GW. Oh, they've got to be for sure. Well, uh, I mean, I, that's not necessarily true. Custodes actually had a day one FAQ. Well, so. I mean, like like a nerf that hard though. Yeah, yeah. Well, Custodes was a buff, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And when we talk about like getting reps in. Uh, there was nothing that could have, like, even reading about that yep. army didn't help. Um, yep. And, and you, had to, you have to experience it, right? It was almost a loss. It was, it was, it was closer than I'd like to admit, than, uh, because I just, I, I didn't know what to do against these Votan. Exactly. Uh, Votan are wild. The auto-wounding they have on hits is, is, is powerful. And, like, I'm playing a T3 army, so, like, you know, usually someone points their gun at my, my armies and they, my, my armies die. But uh, they weren't even dying in the wound phase. They were dying in the hit phase. And that felt yeah. really weird. So yeah, uh, I, I would suspect, I think a lot of people have suspected that sisters are actually hypothetically a, a good... Uh, Arthur was playing his, his sisters of battle this this event. Uh, that they're actually apparently probably a good matchup against Votan. And yet, 
I mean, any of the T3 armies are probably a good matchup against Votan. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you are paying points for resiliency, you you're yeah. you're, you're wasting your money against Votan essentially. I think I think Maybe I had a would you rather, but I can't remember what the part was. Like, would you rather play Votan round one of a tournament or? And I don't remember what the or was. Well, I know what my or was, but uh, <laughs> you know what? It's would you rather play Votan or would you like rather? drink that gingerbread shot that you bought me the other week that uh, <laughs> was about a 70, 75% uh, sugar content and the rest just pure bile. <laughs> so if anyone comes out to the, the club on Thursdays when we play games or any other time where Scotty is there, uh, it's his birthday this week, so buy him a shot. Yeah, it's my Very birthday nice. every week, apparently. <laughs> Very nice. Oh, that's good. The Tide was a great time, all in all, and... Uh, I, the I venue look forward to is the next spectacular. Time. Venue is spectacular. Yeah, it is. That it is. It's not the only thing we got going on. I uh, we're we're running the the Edmonton Warhammer League again. Yes. So uh, if you if you like playing 40k, if you like getting you know a bi-weekly matchup, you like playing against new people and new armies and getting out and meeting people, the the Warhammer League is probably the the best way to do that. Uh, you can check that out on Facebook, um, Edmonton Warhammer 40k League. On, on Facebook is where you can find that. And I think registrations are that are open and pretty much till the end of the month. And we're going to start, I think December 4th, cause that's the Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, that'll be pretty sweet. I think Edmonton Warhammer league uh, that you run Arthur is probably the most accessible uh, semi official 40 K that you can play in this city. Uh, there's a lot of uh, clubs that do run their own leagues. Uh, and I'm not looking to besmirch any of those. Part of the the beauty of the Edmonton Warhammer League that you run is that it isn't limited to a single location, though, which I think really adds to uh, adds to the mystique of it because you do get people from all over the city. You get to interact with groups other than you know maybe what you're used to, yeah. uh, and also like you know, and this is mad props to you. Just from what I've experienced, you really have. Uh, managed to hit that that wonderful semi-comp kind of vibe with the players. You managed to have convinced them, for the most part, uh, to play that, you know, that style, which is so elusive, where, you know, it's somewhere in between, you know, the top tables at big tournaments and people who, you know, are just doing the silliest stuff. You got guys who show up with, with reasonable armies, but nothing too crazy, and you meet new people and you have a good time, and... The pacing's perfect. Uh, so if you're looking, if you're in the Edmonton area, area and you are looking for a semi-regular kind of 40k experience that is not limited to just the same group of, you know, 5 to 15 guys at a given club, Edmonton Warhammer League is the way to do it. Uh, sign-ups started yesterday. We have uh, 16 people signed up in one day. Awesome. Uh, no, I, maybe, was that this morning? I think it was this morning. I it was that. this morning. So, um, a, little, a little bit of a gate crasher there. So I'm excited. Um, there's other good stuff coming up at Edmonton too, though. What, what other events and tournaments are coming up? Uh, Nemesis is this coming weekend, so that's the Gamers Den event. Uh, yeah. They're full up. It's a 32-person tournament. Um, Sean Ford is the, the co-owner of Gamers Den. And uh, I think this is his third 40K tournament. He's been doing them like every six months. And the first one he got a lot of flack for because there wasn't quite enough terrain. 
But he really stepped on the second one, and while there was still not enough terrain, it was significantly better than the first. Uh, so I, I I didn't sign up for this one because school's been so busy. Uh, but we got some friends going, and I, I did put myself on a wait list. But I'm really curious to see, uh, and and probably excited to see, how he's going to continue to improve that event experience. What else is on the horizon? Um, that's definitely well, what it's all about. Uh, I know there is, I want to say there's another RTT at Red Claw on the 20th? The 20th? yeah in november yeah they're they're uh full autos yeah full auto um, yeah that's the one yeah yeah the full autos at red claw have been spectacular the ones i've been able to go to yeah uh, they put on a great event and you know also very accessible nice just little short one day event so yeah um which are always easy easier for guys to hit i know those two day events can sometimes be trouble so yeah, but it, it it just goes to show like with the the system itself is in a good place um there's events probably I, i'd like to say every two to four weeks in edmonton and it's been like that the whole the whole way this year uh which is well, nice it's, it, it's, been, it's been dark days earlier on so yeah it's been ramping up for sure um yeah. i also know i've you know slightly different vein kind of going back to something kind of like hallowtide where not quite your regular sort of thing. I think there's a uh, a Tempest uh, Tempest of War tournament in, at uh, Taps, if I remember right. Uh, I think it's the last weekend of November that they're running yep. a Tempest of War one. Yep. Uh, so Tempest of War, for those not familiar, is the old Maelstrom cards. Yes. Uh, it's an entirely different alternative way to play 40k. Um, and, and, and from what I hear, it's, it's a really fun way to play. So if you mm-hmm. kind of get bored of that match play style, or if you're upsetting spaghetti that Necrons get to write 95 on their score sheet without crossing over half, then uh, Tempest of War might be a way where you can laugh at Necrons because they can't kill anything. I think uh, you held a Necron player to under 90, actually. Just yeah, the, the secret uh, is going first and, and hitting on them the entire time <laughs> and telling them how beautiful they are. Well... I mean, it was it was an honest judgment. So, <sighs> yeah, those uh, but I think December. Out. I'm actually looking. I can't find a red claw full auto for December. So I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying I can't find it. Oh, I, thought uh, it was, I thought no. I thought it's November. I, I think they just had it. I think they literally just had it. Oh, they might have. They might have. But I don't think there's. Actually. I don't think there's really anything throughout December. And I think that January is pretty empty too, because the LVO kind of comes up what at the end of January. Yeah. That is so it wouldn't surprise me to see some LVO practice in the first few weeks, but uh, where are we at? Uh, it was yesterday. Yeah, that checks out. That checks out. Yeah, I think that was their fourth full auto, if I remember right. So, yep. I believe it was. It could have been the fifth. Uh, that belt of theirs is starting to get some names on it. So, <laughs> I think both the horsemen are on it now, which is a treat. They are. It's a father-son duo there. So, they came out to Hallowtide and they were great. They had a good time, I think, too. So, they're they're both funny to play against. I played against both of them. They're both good players. Um, and and as Scotty would say, they're you know they're both pretty pretty nice guys, pretty good guys. No, well, I say uh, nice guys. I don't say that about a lot of people, though. So it's, it's actually <laughs> a compliment. Uh, one of the things I like playing about them, 
the most is that they're they're very loose. Like they play tight, uh, they play a good game, but they they have fun while they're doing it. They're not afraid to crack a joke, uh, and it, it's okay to want to play a competitive game of Warhammer, but uh, like let's let's have fun while we're doing it. You know, absolutely, absolutely. that's the best way, man. Well, and that's kind of what we encourage at at Saga and and at the events that get held at uh, the Fraternal Order of Eagles, which is where Saga is based, like Hallow Titan and like Iron Within that Bill did just uh, a couple months ago, right? Is and to some extent, it can be said that the the beer hammer maybe helps a bit with that. Uh, but you know, some guys, it, it's it's more than just that, obviously. Uh, but that's always something that I think should be encouraged as well. Fox Scotty, do you want to play a game of shot hammer on Thursday? No, I don't. <laughs> Come on! Don't even worry about your reserves, man. I already have one or two uh, poorly functioning organs. I don't know if I need any more. <laughs> well, I tried. Open it by anyone who wants to play Shotthammer Thursday night. I'm I off Friday, it. so let's let's make it happen. You know, that's what you know. For somebody who's, I know, uh, you're very invested in basing. Here's a thought: shot glass bases. Well, you know, you get to see over some of that terrain now. That's yeah. fucking useless with obscuring, but yeah. well, <laughs> maybe for heresy. Hey, there you go. Well, and we should also mention that uh, on the event list, of course. It's not 40k, but uh, Bill, you've got your doubles event coming right up here. That is true. It is true on the uh, sure. 27th. It's a Two weeks away. Yeah, Horse Heresy doubles event. Um, should be a lot of fun. 1,500 points per player. Uh, actually, I think we're at 20 people now, which is nice, um, especially for Heresy. It's kind of a weird thing. Yep. Like uh, With a lot of notice, you can get a lot of pull. Uh, we got some guys coming from Calgary, which is awesome. Uh, in April, I think there's going to be a bit of an influx. Some of the guys from BC and the States want to come down and play, so should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, no, overall, just yeah. Lots of gaming happening, um, lots of uh, events, pickup games, constant steady stream from G-Dub just on new releases. Uh, the biggest one, obviously, was just the uh, Astra Militarum big box set that dropped um, for pre-orders. Hey, so on that, just, it's crazy. what do you think is the, the coolest model of the ones they just dropped? The coolest model? S- single coolest new guard model. Which one strikes your strikes your fancy? Honestly, like I'm a big fan of the Rogel Dorn tank. Um, to me, that's that's kind of screaming like a Patton. Um, I really like that style. It just looks very overkill in 40k. It's basically a Bane Blade fucked to Lehman Russ, and that's what you get. Um, but it was nice. Like it's a nice uh, it's a nice kit overall. Hey, without looking, take a guess. How many guns are on that tank? How many guns? I'm gonna say there's probably like Seven. ten. Ten, Scotty. How many guns on that tank without looking? Uh, I'm saying seven. Okay, we got two sponsons, main turret, a some sort of stormbolter up top. So one, two, three, four, like a vindicator cannon, and a gun in front. Two guns in front. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. That motherfucker. How do I do it? He said not to look. You know. Fuck. That's. Are you, that's accusing, are you accusing me of cheating? No, nope. I don't use the c word. I I, w- I would never cheat. Well, I'll see you next Thursday. We'll see yeah. the cheats. See you in <laughs> I only I only cheat I only cheat to get draws. Oh my god! Oh man! 
I uh, I would uh, like honestly like looking through them. I I would say that it's it's I hate to say it. It's it's a tie between the Kasserkins and the Rough Riders. Uh, I do love the Rogel Dorn. I I think it looks great. There's something about it that just feels a little bit not guard enough for me. I think it might just be a like it needs to be a little bit more angular, a little bit more sharp edges to really feel guard to me, you know. Uh, but that's just kind of, I think, the old school mentality of it. And obviously, they're updating the look a little bit. Um, but I really like the new Rough Riders. They remind me a lot of uh, Admech Cerberus Raiders. They've got very much the same look. Uh, uh, call them what they're called. They're the Yihari. The Yihari, yeah, Yihari, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the Kasukin, like the Kasukin just, they feel amazing to me. They, they, And I, I hear that for both Rough Riders and... Uh, Kasukin, you'll probably be seeing them on the table a lot too. Apparently, um, are they are they but, really good? I've yeah. Well, uh, the Rough Riders, I've I've been able to see enough of the book to be like, this is great. Uh, the Kasukin, I've I've seen enough of the book to be like, they're definitely good. And from what I'm hearing, there's some pretty spicy combos that you can pull off with them. But the looks of the models are like they really, for me, speak to that that special forces kind of look. And I just I love them. I think they look great. Yeah. How about you, well, Arthur? You know, for me, it's uh, it's a tie between like those those anti tank guns. Oh, the field uh, artillery. Oh, there. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Like, I they already has some stuff that's kind of like that with the heavy weapons teams. Um, yeah. But those anti tank guns kind of complete that that infantry uh, aesthetic, and I if I wasn't getting the towel, like that might do it, you know. But uh, the new Lord Solar. I don't know what it he, is. That pomp motherfucker on the horse. He's a pretty model, but he does not look like guard to me at all. No, he doesn't. Well, he does in the artwork, but the the model, it's the head. The head fucking sucks. He looks but, like he's a Age of Sigmar guy, you know? You know what? His model is going to be so fucking pushed that every guard player is going to be playing one of them. Oh, probably. Yeah. But oh, Like it or not, but it'll it'll be the Morven Vol of Imperial's Guard, and you're going to have to play it. Just do a head swap, and you're in the clear. Yeah, that's all. Fucking, it's it's. GW has outdone themselves on this release. They've they've somehow managed to make like regular guardsmen look good. The regular fucking Lehman Russes look good. No one's ever looked at a Lehman Russ and said, "Damn, that thing is awesome." But people no. look at this tank and they say, "Damn, that thing is awesome!" Right? <laughs> fucking and, <ain't. laughs> and that's true for a lot of like even that Sentinel. The no Sentinel one's ever looked at the awesome. Sentinel and been like, holy fuck, I wish I was uh, in Star Wars killing Ewoks right now. But that thing fucking does it. That thing's awesome. Yeah, the new range I, is definitely uh, going to be red hot, I think. I, there's oh. been some very subtle uh, changes, too, in their color schemes, which is pretty normal. Um, but I think they've really popped... Uh, that was kind of something that was selling it for me when I was looking at the models. I was like, because I mean, a lot of them are still dumped in like the, you know, the Cadian colors or whatever, but they're, I think they've gone for a little bit darker of a green uh, and the, the hand colors they're using are a little different too. And yeah, it, you're right. Just, you're right. Yeah. And it actually, to me anyway, it just, it really popped to me. I, I had this uh, same discussion with Votan actually when they launched. A lot of people said that they didn't really love the looks of them, but from what I've seen of people on the internet painting them and stuff, I, I kept looking at them and being like, man, everybody paints these better than GW did. And I think that it went back to 
they just had weird colors for them. You know, like the colors they chose for the Voton models, you know, the specific leagues or whatever, just they didn't look that good on those models. But then when somebody started putting their own take on it specifically, I think they look better in some brighter colors. I was like, wow, those models actually like this exact same model looks so much better. Just just changing the palette. And with the guard, I think that they did that too. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, Lehman Russ, it's an ugly, <laughs> ugly look that I think I've seen. Lehman Russ has painted in uh, over the years, most of which are GW stock standard palettes and their new palette for them. Just mm, that darker forest green looks a lot better. I often thought that GW kind of shit the bed when it came to the Gene Sealer cults too, with like that mm -hmm. weird gray. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and, and people often paint them in like purples and whatnot. And the purples look fucking fantastic. Uh, and I think the same thing could be said of the leagues of Wotan, because when you look at the leagues of Wotan, they're done in that like, it's like this green, but it's like they also have gray as a subcolor, and it just doesn't quite do it. Uh, it's like they took well, Sons of Horus and made it worse. They tried to, yeah. It looks like they painted them with contrast paints, which is fine, Maybe, but they picked the wrong colors. They should paint these yeah. like you'd paint any Space Marine. Yeah, agreed. But they probably they didn't want to... Like they probably didn't want to put that, like, you know, blue or yellow or red on the box art. I mean, I guess, but... Would have looked good though. I mean, if you, you can throw some Blood Angel icons on them. Why not? Yeah. Well, what were the colors of the old dwarves? Well, I guess they would have been like gold or, or silver, right? Uh, the squats? <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, no, they, they like fantasy been, uh, dwarves. Oh, well, a lot of, well, it depends, right? A lot of them, yeah. it was a lot of bronze. golds and bronze and silvers, and yeah. you'd have like yeah. blue or little red sleeves on their models and shit from it. fantasy. A little bit of the best color in the world, uh, tin bits in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Solid. 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 I know when G Dub did their big uh, release drip on one of the uh, their weekenders or whatever it was, and they were showing all these models online. I was looking at these and I was like, I've seen these models before, and uh, a lot of people, you know, were telling me like, "No, dude, these are brand new." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know, but I've seen them. Like, we've seen them somewhere, and they're actually in." a sneak peek of when Ursula Krieg got released. Okay. And oh, if, you, I remember if you look that. at this yeah, yeah, grainy yeah. picture of Ursula Krieg, she's right in the front, but everyone else in the background of that picture, those are all the new guard models. They're just kind of pixelated and a little bit shitty. You're like, eh, but you can actually make out like, I remember seeing the Sentinel and the Imperial Troopers and some of the field guns. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? Like, those look new. Yeah. And yeah, I remember yeah, that confirmed. too. Yeah. Like, they're legit. They're new. So. GW has been doing that lately, though. That's kind of. It's, it's nice. I, for a while. I like that they do that. I like that they do their Absolutely. own leaks. I, I think they need to do more of that because then it makes people who break at the NDAs for plague testing or anything like that less prevalent well and it's you're, i mean the their shroud of secrecy sometimes it makes sense but sometimes i think they can be a little stupid about it you gotta hype your own train a bit you know absolutely absolutely speaking of hype uh we do have still i mean 40k the future of 40k right now is is a hilarious cauldron because we still have a couple of things coming up pretty soon here, like the Guard Codex, like the World Eaters Codex. Um, is that it, is that it for Codexes? That, well, then that's that's the thing. is 
is that it for codexes? Because, you know, of course, then the talk shifts to 10th edition, um, which there's not, like, there's some rumors out there, but there's not a hard and fast kind of talk from GW about that happening or when it's happening. Clearly, it'll be next year, but when exactly? Um, but the interesting talk goes around this this thing where GW loves to re release their new edition in the summer. World Eaters can't be further away than January. I mean, maybe February. Uh, but probably not. Uh, January is a real shit. a lot of time. Stuff. I think yeah, they, they don't always have release a January stuff. release. Do they? They always got one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't have they December don't... releases usually. You, nothing after like December 10th. Like anything yeah. after that is like their, their box sets and whatnot. Just box set deals. Yeah. yeah. Which it's... are looking pretty fucking spazzy, might I add. Some of them are yeah, actually pretty nice. One. Pretty nice. Actually, uh, from what I understand, there's not a Xenos one at all this year. It's all Imperials and Chaos. It's hmm. all you need. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> but it, but I, anyway. I don't know. I, I I hope that 10th does not get dropped next summer. Um, I'd like to see them go buck for a year with every codex out. And they can just do some updates, tweaks here and there. Let the system play, and then maybe 2024, uh, drop 10th, do a full hit the reset button. Um, I think that would be pretty sweet, considering if they are pulling some of their, what the rumors say, they're pulling um, some inspiration from Heresy and the reaction system. Uh, I think giving that another year of, you know, essentially playtesting to see where you can make tweaks and improve it um, would just be beneficial. I'd like some oh, more operations for stratagems. Like, does the the active player have to take a stratagem first? Can you some stratagems that say use the stratagem when an opponent uses a stratagem? What if um, what if stratagems go away and it's just reactions? Good. Good. You well, get like a six core and then six codex reactions. That's it. Yeah, it's all fun I and mean, games. So could, Space Marines gets theirs right. Yeah, well, they'll be the first. They could one. cut the. Uh, they could cut the stratagems list to probably quarter of what it is now in pretty much every book and it would be fine um i do think like to, to speak both to what you're saying there bill and also kind of what i mentioned a little bit earlier like i'm not opposed to that idea i don't think that this is what gw would do or that you know they they make their money selling selling rules and selling models and i think that for sure we'll see a lot of rules releases next year one way or another um, if they don't do the edition itself, I'm sure there'll be a big campaign or something, which a lot of people are ambivalent about, but it is what it is. But I do think that with the way that competitive matched play, not competitive, but matched play runs in 40k right now, with the release every six months of a new uh, book for, for matched play, currently, of course, we're in Nephilim, that there is an opportunity, like you're saying, to, to kind of shake things up, uh, you know, every six months without necessarily having to introduce new new codexes and you know the game is very bloated on codexes that's part of the problem of 40k is that there's this constant march of new books uh and you basically you literally don't get to uh, have them all play at the same time before you're resetting your rules um somewhat by design uh but yeah like honestly i i wouldn't be opposed to that idea from a, a philosophical perspective and any changes that you wanted to make to the game you could make through the uh the match playbooks as we've seen them make big changes exactly like that in Nakband and in nephilim very true so 
I, I, you know what? I would, uh, I'll write an email to GW first thing tomorrow morning, suggest you for their rules design team. <laughs> oh, and we can go from there. A, a or B, are we seeing this? Uh, are we seeing a new edition come, come July, or are we seeing uh, a year's worth of Psychic Awakening 2.0? Yeah, I'm gonna go I, Psychic I, Awakening 2.0. And then what? Next know, July, we see a new release. Yeah. What's their big summer release going to be this next year then? Because they, they always well, have a big summer release. Uh, it's not going to be Age of Sigmar. We just had an Age of Sigmar edition. It's not going to be Heresy. We just said that. It's the return of Epic. Battlefleet Gothic. Fuck, holy the, uh... shit. Oh my god. Battlefleet <laughs> Gothic. Buddy, I'd be in. Spend $500 on and never play. Do you know how, do you know how many yeah, birds you, you can get for $500? <laughs> that gets you the entire Battlefleet Gothic. Um, they actually, GW, no, to be clear, they actually have specified and they backed it up with their recent rules releases that they, they do not want to do rules like matched play rules in campaigns anymore so like a psychic awakening is is apparently according to them not on the table uh their last few campaigns books they've been trying to separate the rules and and their crusade stuff and and the idea of campaign stuff uh so that it's not quite not as much of a hassle with this idea of having to have you know six books to uh, play your army, they they said yeah, they've heard our complaints they, about that. They say that they say that, Scotty, mm-hmm. but but actually speak back to the words, right? But then they just they about with their last shit. few releases. I am very interested to see what heck goes on. For me, it's it's again. I would love if they delayed tenth, but I do I do wonder if they don't uh, put tenth like the a 10th edition release if it doesn't come you know march or april uh which would be weird because yeah like you said they want to do a big summer release what do they do to fill the gap and i think that there's a lot of chatter about that right now and there's not a lot of clarity because there just are not enough like there is maybe the only thing that i've seen that has a little bit of legs to it is the idea of doing another new updated version of the space marine book uh which oh we haven't got space marine 2.0 yet you're right yeah, that, that, that could, could be that. that. No, that's that fucking Blood Angels release that's rumored. That's what that's going to be. That's going to be. Uh, you're going to have well, Blood Angels primer that's not Sanguinous. They're rumored for that's rumored for like a tenth edition box set though. Yeah, no, just... that that's there's there's no way that has to be the the summer release. Yeah, but like, what about a spring release? That's what I'm saying. Is w- what fills the hole in between World Eaters and tenth? If we assume tenth for say july and world leaders for january or february oh you're right well when's when's warhammer fest march oh they just did tickets on that tickets just dropped not long ago well is it is it march uk time like what is that in north america (laughs) (laughs) fuck yeah i think it's march is when uh warhammer fest is they did say that they were doing some big announcements there. Would not shock me if they announced 10th edition there, but, you know, they announced it for when, right, is kind of the question. Well, if so, can we can we can we effectively say that world leaders are not Jan or not December? Oh, yeah, for sure. Guard aren't even out for another month, so. So like our our guard like November December Yeah, the it's kind of a weird one. It's the same as kind of like the orc codex back in the day or back in the day, a couple months ago, last year, whatever that was. 
um, where like it seems to be like they're doing some release like right away and some more release a little bit down the line. Um, but the Wait, like the book is not a, the book is a, no it's like the book itself is not officially released for a little while yet. But it's also you can get some of the guard stuff like right away, right coming up soon here. So. Uh. Interesting. But like it's like it's definitely not past say February for World Eaters. Probably like oh no, they're not going to fuck with the LVO schedule. So nope. Oh nope. man, nope. You're... it's I, I yeah, I know, right? right? It's kind of like a, oh, what's going on here, right? Like what what fills what fills the gap? What fills the schedule SE of GW? Well, and, and I mean, there are going to be some pressures from the shareholders because this year was down over COVID's year, right? So there's going to well, be an expectation to keep releasing. So regardless of whether or not we want 10th edition, we might see that come up anyways. Maybe uh, in the spring, GW releases a, a plague that shuts down half the planet so that their their retail starts to skyrocket again. Settle Everybody's down, Daniel Smith. Settle down. <laughs> I'll be launching my uh, political campaign next week. You'll fucking be a rock star in Medicine Hat Brooks. Oh my! You bet. You bet. <laughs> well, that feels almost like a good spot. It does. Rap, it does. So... We'll, we'll we'll leave that. Honestly, legit. I would love to hear, especially if you've, especially if you consider yourself uh, a person who maybe has heard a thing or two on the internet or from someone you're listening to this podcast and you have some ideas or some some info you'd love to drop about what you think is going to go on next kind of spring early summer uh, as far as gw and 40k goes put it in the comments or send it directly to bill's email or show up outside bill's house and tell him early in the morning whatever yeah. it takes i'd love to hear about it so yeah, absolutely. Well, before we before we wrap, Scotty, you said you had uh, some some tips for basing. Mm-hmm. I do actually. Uh, the number one basing tip I ever got was that you shouldn't let Arthur anywhere near your models uh, <laughs> to judge your bases because it'll just make you feel bad. Heads unbowed, buddy. Heads unbowed. <laughs> Heads unbowed. Bases unpainted. I'll get I'll get uh, I'll get Bill a clip of that for the thumbnail. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank well, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, Scott, Arthur, big uh, big thanks for you guys jumping on once again. Uh, Scott, for no the problem. first time, it was yeah, it was good just to talk shop and what's new. Yeah, anytime you guys talking forty k, I'd love to hang out. I probably can't shut up about it to be honest with you. So, thanks for having me. I appreciate the chance to air my grievances about Scott's fucking unpainted bases anytime I get. Beautiful. I thought he was just mad because he hadn't won any tournaments, but now he has, and he's still like this. So <laughs> outrageous! <laughs> awesome. Catch you guys next time. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Bill.